Hello and welcome to the latest podcast for The Lancet Global Health. I'm Richard Lane. In this month's podcast, we're talking about two research articles concerning HIV treatment and monitoring. Let's hear from one of the authors of the paper who's kindly agreed to be interviewed in the podcast, introducing himself. I'm Professor Timothy Hallett, Professor of Global Health at Imperial College London. Tim Hallett, many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet Global Health. You're an author on two papers in the January issue of The Lancet Global Health, and this is looking at HIV treatment and monitoring of treatment. Before we go into some of the details, can you give us the background to these studies? What were the main aims here? Right, so in the middle of 2013, the WHO promulgated guidance around how to deliver uh, ART to HIV-infected persons, which was you know, a very significant landmark in response um, to the HIV epidemics around the world. Now, guidelines traditionally have focused on thinking about what's best clinically for a particular patient. But for, for ART and, and for HIV, there's increasingly a need to consider long-term effects, population-wide effects, and the resource implications that those policies would have. Now, those considerations have to be brought in um, through mathematical modeling. And that's what we did. So we mathematically modeled some of these strategies, looking at long-term impacts across populations and considering resource use and costs to try to bring those dimensions into the guideline setting process. And you used an interesting approach, didn't you, to, to do this? You've mentioned mathematical modeling. So you've, you've looked at existing mathematical modeling to actually come up with a kind of more robust idea for approach for this. So how did you actually go about doing this? Quite a collaborative process, wasn't it? So just give us an idea of how you pulled it all together. Right. Well, the HIV modelling community actually is incredibly strong, vibrant and, uh, and collaborative. And we also have this network called the HIV Modelling Consortium that is exactly available to facilitate this form of collaborative work across model different groups. And we really think there's advantages in doing that because there's many different models which are incredibly sort of well pedigreed and, and, uh, and useful out there. And these questions were so important, it, it felt prudent to rely not just on one model, but on the sort of the collective wisdom of multiple different models. And I think in that way, we've got to a, um, a more robust consensus form of result than would have been possible using just, just one model. And turning to paper one, and this is to do with treatment initiation, what, what are the main recommendations coming out of this paper? And you've, you've already mentioned the WHO guidelines here. This is relevant, isn't it? The WHO guideline, one of the most important recommendations they made this year was that the CD4 cell count at which HIV-infected patients should be initiated on, on ART should move from 350, what it used to be, up to, up to 500. So basically they're saying treat HIV-infected patients earlier. We recognize that that will mean you know, more people on treatment for longer, which has cost implications. But what our analysis says that, you know, that being the case, we still think that this is you know, arguably likely to be a, a pretty good use of resources insofar that using the resources to start people uh, on treatment earlier who are already in care, the cost of doing that is, is relatively small compared to the benefits that would be accrued. You know, it's important to note, though, that, you know, just doing that isn't going to end the epidemic or even actually maybe have even a large impact on reducing HIV incidence. And that's because, you know, relatively few people are, are coming to clinic naturally, you know, with, with high CD4 cell counts. So this guideline change would need to be sort of accompanied with a large increase in, in outreach and, and testing and linkage services to get HIV-positive patients into care sooner. And doing that would be associated with a, a much larger reduction in incidence and a much larger cost as well. And so how do the recommendations relate to, to paper two, which are 
basically the monitoring strategies that, that are required. So the second paper is all about patients who are already on ART and we're asking what is the best way to monitor them. And there are different options. We can look at the patient's signs and symptoms. We can give them CD4 cell counts um, measurements every so often, or we can even check their, their viral load. What we find is that you know, the more assiduously you monitor these patients and with the more high-tech diagnostics, the better for the patient, the better for overall impact of the program, but the more cost. And more important than that, actually, is that whatever gains you get through that improved monitoring, that would be dwarfed by the overall impact of providing any ART to, to anyone in the first place. So what that means is that if you're a country with a relatively low coverage of ART already, then the priority ought to be getting more people onto ART rather than monitoring the persons that you already have on ART in a more um, intensive manner. So monitoring is, is obviously a priority once you've got the initiation of treatment really prioritised and sorted out? No, it's more complicated than that because countries have to you know, plan these, these things hand in hand and there are procurement cycles and, and so on. And these papers try to set out exactly what the roadmap would be for countries as they scale up treatment in these different ways. Indeed. And a final thought, Tim. What's next, do you think, for the HIV Monitoring Consortium? Right, well, we, we have lots of interests um, in taking this work further. We're interested in understanding what it is we need to know about treatment programmes to know if they're doing a good job or not. Many things determine how successful a, a treatment program is in turning resources into, into health output. And we want to know what exactly we should be monitoring in these programs to determine their success. And we're also interested, I think, in, in understanding whether decisions about how to scale up treatment and how to reach patients should be taken at a, at a different geographic scale. We're used to talking about countries having national policies, but the things upon which these decisions rest actually have enormous variation within a country. And so we're looking to see whether it wouldn't be more efficient to somehow have a geographically structured policy in place to maximise the health gains that a population can expect to receive for a given amount of resources invested in it. There's much excitement in some quarters of the HIV community about talking about a world free of AIDS in the coming decades. Obviously, your paper is very much looking at this from the mathematical modelling perspective. Do you share the optimism that there is in some quarters of the HIV community? So I think there are grounds for optimism. The impact that ART can have in reducing AIDS deaths and also potentially in reducing HIV new infections, I think is, is increasingly clear. Whether or not we're going to get to a point where we can say that um, HIV is no longer a public health issue of, you know, of massive importance and priority, or even whether we're going to get to this AIDS-free generation. I really don't know. We certainly have the grounds to aspire towards that, but it's not currently something we can expect, I would say. I think there's a lot of work to do from now to move us closer to that aspiration. But I think there is grounds for people to aspire towards that now, yes. Excellent. Well, many thanks, Tim, for your perspectives on, on that and, and the two papers, obviously, that we've just been discussing to be published in the January issue of The Lancet Global Health. Professor Tim Hallett from Imperial College London, many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet Global Health. Thank you. Many thanks again to Tim Hallett and to you all for listening. See you next time.